hello and welcome to Say That Podcast for your big questions, your real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host for the city of Chicago. Joining us here is Jed Brewer. Hello! With us all the way from Oak Ridge, Tennessee is Lee Younger. Greetings! I'm stealing Jed's old line. That's good. That's good. We're all we're all switching around. One of these days there'll be a, a feel a full mutiny where one of these guys just takes over and starts doing the intro. <laughs> Of course, the fun thing about that is after 500 plus episodes, do either of you have any confidence in your ability to remember what the intro is long enough to do no. it? Zero. No. Zero. Yeah. It's... I I don't know if I pay attention until someone says my name. Yeah. <laughs> Podcasting has, and there are parts of other recorded projects run the same way, has that weird, like, you've been d- driven to this place a million times, but you've only been the passenger. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, well, you can just, how do you get there? You're like, I don't know. Case in point, Matt, I am notoriously bad at navigation, and I think I was like 17 or 18 years old, and I was taking, my little sister and I were going to see a movie at, this will only matter to Matt, at the Grove Cinema in Ah, Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Not as nice as it sounds. (laughs) We have some listeners in Southern California, they're thinking Grove, you are thinking wrong. (laughs) I took a wrong turn um, from Illinois onto Robertsville Road. And my little sister said, dude, we've lived here since the third grade. (laughs) (laughs) I was recently uh, talking to some friends of ours who are going to be visiting Oak Ridge in the the near future. And uh, I was trying to explain the the driving situation to them and like the navigation. It was one of those just prepare to be lost because it's many hills. There's, you know, roads randomly turn into other ones. Um, This one of those things that I'm sure your town has one, dear listener, kind of urban legends that no one can confirm, but everyone just goes, that would make sense if it were true. And one of the right. ones about Oak Ridge, which was built by the army Corps of engineers is that it is intentionally confusing. So that like if some uh, Soviet spy in the seventies stole nuclear secrets, eventually they would just <laughs> give up trying to get out <laughs> and navigating. I've given up many. I, I do not have any state secrets, but I've given up many times. Sure. Most people don't know. That's how a significant portion of the population start, ends up there. They're just, yeah, kind of driving through for some way, and and the kind of the old Mitch Hedberg thing. It's one of those things of well, I think it'd be easier just to buy a house here than <laughs> keep driving. Oh, great! Now, now, now for the rest of the episode, I'm going to be thinking of Mitch Hedberg lines. Hey, feel free, <laughs> jump on in. There are worse fates. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and we will transition from that to uh, really what is the opposite of Mitch Hedberg, and that is uh, okay. we have we have a legalistic emergency here. Oh, which is a, a common is, yeah. theme of emergency. One we've had a lot of. This is one where a, a friend of the show, a super fan, uh, Miss Guinevere, wrote in to inform us that, gentlemen, we've, uh, according to uh, some folks, officially a, a bad influence. What? Mm. And in this case, she specifically pointed out Gripes Giving, uh, which uh, many will know yeah. is bespoke, say that holiday uh, to go along with Thanksgiving. And uh, I consider that that if you tell me hey you guys are bad influence i go yeah sure that seems about right um but i feel like gripes giving isn't even in the the top 10 so no. we're fascinated for the rubric of this and uh Gwen included a screenshot of what appeared to be a uh kind of a workbook or kind of you know some fill in the blank situations from i assume this isn't from her church some she found and uh, I think this will really sum up our, our show. This is uh, su- subheading Roman numeral four, all caps, surface causes of moral impurity. Ooh. 
which is alternate title for the show. Yeah. Yes. The Say That Podcast, Surface Causes of Moral Impurity. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt about it. So let's let's wander through some of these and see if what we check off here. Uh, a, claiming that under grace, which is in scare quotes, dear listener, Yikes. grace, we are free to do what we like. That is apparently morally impure. Now, I thought that was the the very foundation of the gospel. <laughs> but nice to know that uh was the, was the old Martin Luther like the apo- series of apocryphal snapbacks he had clapbacks he has where someone's like if I believed as you did I would do whatever I ever pleased me and the response is and as a man of God what pleases you which you know yeah. that's what passed for a a monk burn at the time <laughs> but glad to know we're still we're still doing that um let's see despising submission and speaking evil of those in authority yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's I don't know fair. about evil, definitely speaking accurate of those in authority, and sometimes those those come off the same. I'm not sure that's necessarily <laughs> our fault, but right. scoffing. Well, yeah, I think I'm just gonna, before I even get to the rest of that one, I'm just gonna go ahead and throw our hands up on that one. I think we are we are noted scoffers. I feel like in the in the spirit of the nineteen sixty six like Adam West Batman. Where, the like, best Batman. Yes. He would throw a punch and like on the screen would be the word boom or pow or smack. I feel like like an accurate version of Matt's life is like he says something and then on the screen is like scoff. Yeah, absolutely right. I would. Yeah. Scoff. Snark. <laughs> so is a see scoffing at spiritual truths, which are beyond human reasoning. Ooh. So. Oh. Yeah. As we're going to get into, um, are people scoffing at the truths that are beyond human reasoning? Or are they scoffing at your particular human reasoning about truths that are on be- beyond human reasoning? Because those are Man. different. <laughs> I know that this is an audio medium, so our listeners can't see this, this rubric that you're describing. But the image in my mind, and this, this just popped into my head, and this made me laugh internally so much, is just... A legalistic Mad Lib. Yeah, it does have that vibe. It's like blanks I mean, and then the, the words yes. written in, in red. Just a story of like Susie and her friend Jane went to the blank fill in, you know, and it's like give a noun where sin could happen. Yeah. The sin place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The Sin Place, which is a very, very uh, good club in the surface causes of moral impurity empire. Yes. Yeah. I like guilt Ralph libs. said to Susie, yes, guilt lips. <laughs> we, we don't have time to be fully legalist, Gatchy. Just fill in what you think you should feel bad about. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. So, yeah, complaining about moral strictness and developing new and fashionable philosophies. Well, now there, I feel like we can push back. I have never held a fashionable philosophy in my life. Yeah, I feel like that would be a, another good subtitle for, for the podcast. The Say That Podcast, well, New and Fashionable Philosophies. <laughs> I feel like Jed wears a peacoat well, but I don't know if that's really the same thing. Yeah. But if you had a peacoat and you're reading a copy of Baudrillard, maybe, be like, I'm doing fashionable philosophy. Oh, that's very good. That's very, very good. Yes, French is fashionable. Let's see. We'll run through the last two. Arguing irrational philosophies that contradict scripture. 
Um, okay. Uh, using the guise of religion to cover pride, lust, and rebellion. Mm. There's, there's a lot of people doing that one. I don't, I don't think they're the ones who are the subject of this uh, particular worksheet, but um, I guess. Yeah, I, the, the guilt libs, I'm just stuck on that idea of like, yeah, doing that is like just some really lazy legalistic pastor being like, I just, just fill these out and I'll, this is what I'll do. I'll do in the sermon next week. You tell me what you want to feel bad about. It's a customer service <laughs> thing, really. <laughs> I'm, I'm stuck on the, I'm, I'm sure this, this might be like translating something and back to something, but the, uh. The philosophies is I just picture the, just a somebody who's so legalistic that they're going back to being mad at Plato. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. That's very good. Just kind of in the way we've you know people have weirdly declared war on just science as a concept or whatever. Like I, I look forward to the next round of people who are just against the idea of philosophy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it it it's always been interesting to me that in all five hundred episodes, Matt has worn robes and laurels but yeah. you know i guess that's what's going on yeah it got less weird once we started recording at home during the pandemic i used to have to wear that outfit all day if we were doing uh, the recording at night and when people ask you why are you wearing that and your answer is to do philosophy it doesn't change the weird looks you get no no so um yeah so i think on the on the tip of being a bad influence yeah, no, I think that's I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Also on the tip of you know, philosophies, and maybe that's a a translation issue. I did recently see this connected to nothing, but it made me extraordinarily happy. Um, I forget where it was. It was somewhere in uh, I think East Asia, but somebody had tried to, or somebody had tried to like translate, done the thing where they translate something from English and they have to put it back into English, and uh, they were trying to do jerk chicken like the okay. the Caribbean dish. And apparently, you know, through the, the Google Translate bot and back, it came out, chicken, rude and disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very good. That's very, wow. very good. That's fantastic. So are, is Say That Podcast a cause of moral impurity? Maybe. Is it uh, despising of submission and speaking evil of those of authority? Pretty good. Scoffing at spiritual truths? Yeah. Um, and I think we can add, you know, podcast, rude and disrespectful to a series yeah. <laughs> of potential uh, taglines and descriptions that would be uh, descriptive and fair. I like the idea of just somebody's, you know, getting upset with somebody in the church because they're, you know, they're afraid of the thing that they don't understand and just yelling across the uh, sanctuary, you know, this is... This is not nom. This is church. There are rules. Yeah. Smokey. Yeah. I myself once dabbled in pacifism. Not nom, of course. <laughs> now, dear listener, you've stumbled into a very good game, which would be how many Big Lebowski quotes can you sneak in in your small group before anyone notices? <laughs> wow. Or if you're the type, if you're a person who, you know, maybe serves in your church in the capacity of giving the announcements. <laughs> or something like that you know the the building fund is looking to buy a new rug we hope it'll really tie the room together These yeah, yeah that's very good that's very good was there to to quote dr zoidberg your music is bad and you should feel bad indeed uh 
Was there like a point to this thing, the spiritual survey, other than just right. you are bad and you should feel bad? I can't like, was imagine there... so. Okay. Okay. Because it well, I, well, I I spared these because it it's made it clunky to read, and who cares? But the the in, the end of each of these bullet points has like a little couple of little scripture references. Oh, okay. Um, which I assume again are being wildly misinterpreted. So I just went ahead and skipped that. But uh, okay, well, yeah, just... it does appear to be just a bulleted list of things. Have Have you considered feeling bad about this? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just and it's the classic it's the classic Christian thing of like, oh, you enjoy this. Let me tell you all of the reasons it's bad. Yeah. But non-specific, just, oh, you enjoy? Let's look at that. Yeah. yeah. Well, to, to bring that together with Lebowski, you know, so the idea of, like, new and fashionable philosophies, I really like the idea of, like, an 80s-era after-school special about peer pressure, and it's like Timmy, the bad kid, he goes to Johnny, who's mostly a good boy. He's like, what are you doing this afternoon, Johnny? Me and my buddies, we're all going to get together and believe in nihilism. He's just oh, got yes. just pulling the good kid into the bathroom and like showing him a copy of Nietzsche that he yeah found in the woods. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, can we can we encourage our superfan listener to simply respond with this, which is, well, that's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Say what you will about semi Pelagianism, but at least it's an ethos. Uh, <laughs> these men are cowards, Donnie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or or just like or just like uh, grace-filled Bible verses that people have never been exposed to in a legalistic church. Like, no, Johnny, this is Romans eight one. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You don't want anything to do with this. You can't handle it. <laughs> you ain't ready for this, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, you're not that... ready for the to mainline this grace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah illicit grace yeah <laughs> yeah well before we before we expose too much of our screenplay i think matt just wrote a new worship song illicit, <laughs> illicit grace, grace. Yeah. i swear <laughs> yes that goes on the long list of actually interesting christian movies you could make that no one will actually give us the money to make well that's definitely true in a world where legalism has taken over one man supplying a whole nation with illicit grace. <laughs> just ferreting copies of like just this most mainline stuff to us. Just like, no, man, this is John Stott. We can't be caught with this. It's too out there. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, and before we expose uh, the full uh, outline of the screenplay, we are certainly going to be writing in between episodes. We will declare emergency off. And that is going to transition pretty well into our question for the day. We're playing with format a little bit here. We are going to do our normal three questions, but we had an email come in that I thought there was just so much going on with. We're going to kind of read that email, then we're going to pick out some of the, the questions we want to talk about off that. You can, of course, write in your own questions at podcast at gmail.com or thebridgechicago.tumblr.com slash ask. We give you those addresses again at the end, and you can scroll down to your episode description to find those. But this came into our email inbox and says we love the church we attend a lot of our friends go there we found a great community and they're involved in a lot of local charities we've been going to this church for about two years and have no complaints my family recently sat me down and expressed a lot of concerns that our church isn't quote biblically based unquote 
because our church doesn't believe that a homosexual or transgender lifestyle is a sin, among other lesser things like doing communion every week. It's literally never come up or mattered to me as a cis-hetero mayonnaise person. I paused from reading the email to say, that's an exceptional turn of phrase, and we appreciate our <laughs> listeners deeply. And verbatim. <laughs> yes, indeed. All the Christian LGBTQ, LGBTQ folks I know haven't asked me for my opinion about their sex lives. No surprise there. So I don't really know if I care about whether it's a sin or not, but apparently it matters to my family. How do I handle their concerns? I especially value your opinion as critics of the, quote, eat the meat, spit out the bones, unquote, church communities. I don't know that being LGBTQ accepting is a bone exactly, but does that kind of idea apply? And again, a lot of uh, great stuff going on here as far as the issue itself, the communicating about it. Um, I will say that you do communion too often is a complaint I've never actually heard of a church, but I appreciate right. people <laughs> looking for things to have a problem with. Um, but so I will say up top, we, what we're not going to do in this episode is tell you whether or not you should um, think that a church has to be uh, LGBTQ affirming or not. Like that's. That's up to you. That's your choice. That's uh, something you value one way or the other. Um, not to give uh, churches more credit than we normally want to, but some churches have aging populations or they're trying they, it's that's a thing to navigate. That's the thing that people in good faith are doing their best to navigate. So we're, we're uh, as ever not. And again, another thing that we think separates us from a lot of people online talking about Christianity, we're actually not that interested in telling you what you have to do one way or the other. <laughs> Uh, we're going to answer the question as it came in, but the first place I do want to start off is this idea of the criticism of, we don't think your church book, uh, whatever is, biblically based enough. Um, Jed has already uh, referenced the great spiritualism of Futurama in uh, Dr. Zoidberg, and uh, one of the great things that I have come back to more and more in my spiritual journey is the... Uh, there's a, a global warming episode where there are, things are flooding, and they cut to a, a guy... And says, they called me crazy when I built this ark. And his friend, it pans out to his friend. He goes, you are crazy. You filled it with same-sex animals. And the response is, there's parts of the Bible I like and parts I don't like. <laughs> and uh, I say that because uh, it, it's dawned on me more and more of the year. Yeah, that's pretty much the tactic we're all taking. That's, uh, that's kind of how we all deal with uh, a giant book with a whole lot of stuff in it that we're never going to understand all of. So... Leah, I'd love to get you to, to start us off here. The idea of biblically based as a scare tactic or as kind of an, an overall criticism, because nothing's going to be perfectly biblical. So what are the left and right limits we want to look at with engaging with that as an idea and a, a, a criticism? It's a really good place to start, and it's really important for us to, to, to talk about the way that that term makes people feel and what it can actually mean and what it can't mean. Let's start here. If you take 50 biblical scholars and you take any issue out of the hat, you're going to have 50 different opinions. Um, you, Like Matt said, this is a huge book with a lot of stuff in it, written over a long period of time, a long time ago, by a lot of different people in a bunch of different languages. Um, all of it's been translated. It's all... It, it's very impossible at this point for us to be dogmatic about every single piece of it. But that being put aside, that term, specific term, biblically based, that term is usually, it's usually pretty much a weaponization of 
culture wars. Like we yeah. just want yeah. to, we just want to say <clears throat> there's something that we care about and we're probably using it to raise money from people for a political agenda. And so in order to get people afraid or get people on our side, we're going to say that these people over here are biblically based and these people over here are not biblically based. And we're just going to choose a thing and we're going to make you think that's the thing that the Bible really cares about. Um, I, I want to I use kind of our example from our question asker in one way and talk about another issue right beside it. You will have certain people who will tell you that if a, if a church isn't, doesn't line up with the way that they see um, issues of same-sex attraction or homosexuality or transgender issues or any of those kinds of things, that they are not biblically based. And let's be clear. The Bible has some things to say about, about some of those issues, but not very much, friends. Not very much. And some of it is, doesn't talk about it at all. Um, those same people would, would not bat an eye if you were to completely shut down or shut off or say or, or be against the thing that the Bible talks about almost as much as it talks about anything, which is, and this is a really interesting case in point, the number two command in the entire Bible is to love the foreigner, love the immigrant. It's the number two command in the entire Bible. The number one command coming in in first place is to love the Lord your God. The number two command coming in over 300 times, friends, is to love the alien, the foreigner, the immigrant. It's over 300 times. But people would not bat an eye if you, the people that are making fuss about these issues and you're saying, then your church is not biblically based, they wouldn't bat an eye about that, even though it's talked about in the Bible literally hundreds more times than all of the issues that they're saying. If you don't care about this, you're not biblically based. I say that to say this. That phrase, biblically based, it doesn't actually mean we care about what's in the Bible. Usually what it means is it's a jargon in, in order for us to bring up culture wars. We want, to, we want to make people afraid because we want to raise money, because we want to push certain agendas and put certain people in, in offices of power. And to do that, we will push the buttons that people care about, which is the button that people think they care about is the Bible. The problem is we don't often actually know what's in that book or what that book prizes or cares about the most. All that whole thing to say, biblically based, it's usually, it's, it's usually a scare tactic. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And we, we want to be clear here, um, that may not even be the way your family is using it. That may very well right. be the way it has been used on them. Um, they they probably didn't, they did not come up with the idea that not being mean enough to LGBTQ people is the the uh, the litmus test for biblically based. I imagine they got that from from somewhere else. And as Lee points out, there's a huge uh, propaganda campaign behind that idea. I think Lee laid that out very well. Now I did my own biblical misinterpretation and uh, thought that uh, love I misinterpreted love the foreigner as love foreigner. So I've just been streaming a lot of uh, sure. rock band foreigner. Right, like and the one attempt does. to to grow spiritually, and I don't know that that's that's worked out, but uh, I don't think it can hurt though, Matt. I mean, it's the grooves are still there. I'm just saying, I don't know that it's edifying, but Cold as Eye is still a pretty good track. And uh, Joe, I'd love you to 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 pick us up there because I think as as Lee is pointing us to 
biblically based kind of in any way, if, even if it's not intentionally being rendered in bad faith in the person you're talking to, is a dodge because unless you, even among people who learned Greek and study this as a job, yeah. there's no agreement and there's no like, you know, we don't have a council of Nicaea anymore to kind of put down an edict on what's what's in and what's out. So kind of everyone's taking their interpretation and their priority list and then working backwards to decide that that's what's biblically based. Um, so in the sense of a church, it's interesting that p- certain people pick one or two things and then decide that that's what being biblically based means when... In theory, with that reasoning, as flawed as it is, you could apply it to a much broader uh, spectrum of things, right? Mm. No, you absolutely could. I'm going to pull up something while we're while we're talking here because I think that it's um, it's a good example. So I'm really glad that you brought up the idea of a creed because, of course, one of the things that Christian communities kind of recognized very very early on is what are the beliefs. So part of what I think your family is communicating to you is there are beliefs that are required in order to be considered a Christian. That is, in essence, what they're trying to tell you. And this church does not hold the right beliefs to be considered Christian. Therefore, it's not, it's not really a church. It's, it's uh, some sort of uh, awful, evil, pagan, heathen club, and that's, that's what you're attending, and it's probably hurting you. I mean, like, they're not putting it in that words, but that is kind of the, the implication. Now, the interesting thing is the question of what are the essential beliefs that kind of define a, a Christian, this is a question that goes back a really long way, and we want to look at two answers. The first is something that the Bible says repeatedly. It actually comes up Old Testament and New Testament both, and that is simply, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Right. Comes up multiple times. There are no provisos. There are no limitations. There are no terms or conditions. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The end. So if you are attending a church that in some way believes that everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved, that's pretty biblically based. But again, this is a question that goes back a long way. So we're going to read together something called the Apostles' Creed. And it's a very, very, very ancient thing, the point of which is just to help us understand what are kind of the essential beliefs that a Christian must have. You probably know this already, but we'll go through it together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived from the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and was buried, descended into hell, rose again from the dead on the third day, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, who will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Now, you've probably heard that before. Some of us grew up reciting that like every Sunday. Um, and that's again, an ancient distillation of what you need to believe to be Christian. And you can back up certainly nearly every item, you know, in that with scriptural passages, if you want to talk about being based on the Bible, but it's worth noting the enormity of things that are not referenced in that creed. Yeah. Like if you think about the huge, overwhelming, vast majority of Hot button, hot button issues in the world today and in the church today, they are simply not referenced there. I don't mean to scandalize anyone, but people in 4th century Greece knew homosexuality existed. <laughs> we have that on the record. It wasn't like 
that they just not heard of it yet. It, it was around. Yeah. So th- that kind of leads to, to another Bible passage that um, I would encourage you to think about with all this. And, and I'm about to kind of call out your family in a fairly major way, but I don't mean it in a mean way. So it's just something to think about. So Micah 6, 8 reads, he has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord your God require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? And the call out is that last part, the walking humbly with your God. I think that American Christians have completely forgotten what it means to walk humbly with your God. Mm. I think that they have been led to believe that authentic faith means parroting with razor-sharp certainty whatever they heard on Focus on the Family. That is not what walking humbly with your God means. Walking humbly with your God has a lot to do with admitting, I don't know anything about this. I don't have the answers for this. I don't have a background in this. I don't have an informed perspective on this. I don't even know much, know enough to have an opinion about this. My instincts aren't always right. My instincts are not always right. My actions are not always right. My gut is not always right. I don't know. And when we run into that, when we run into the, I don't know, then we need to revert to the first two items on that list. Do justly and love mercy. If you're not sure what the answer is, are you treating other people in a merciful way and in a just way? Because if you're not doing those two, you're screwing it up for sure. I promise you. But focus on that humility piece. Your family does not have the answers to this. You may not have the answers to it, but your family definitely does not have the answers to it. And when we know that we don't have the answers, be humble and treat others with mercy and with respect and with justice. Yeah, absolutely right. I think these guys are are all over it. Um, One of the things that's interesting in what Jed's bringing up there is it takes us back to this kind of left and right, right limits idea and where we started of everybody skips around. Everybody has parts of the Bible they think are super foundational and parts that they don't understand or parts that they understand or just aren't ready to onboard yet. And that humility piece sounds like what's going on from our question asker here is, you know, someone who looks at that and says, "Eh, I don't really know hundred percent of sin, not sin, big deal, not big deal. Um, uh, It seems like we should be nice to people. So maybe I'll just lean on that. But there, there is a way where that can feel less formed and less strident and less Christian-y, if you've been raised in certain Christian circles, as crusading and campaigning against something and being outraged by something and trying to like build a bulwark against something. And I think we, to Jed's point about the cultural stuff, there definitely is an undercurrent in Western and American Christianity, certainly, of... This is what are you, you are defined by what you are against. What do yep. you, who and what are you yelling against protecting? There's this idea of, you know, we just, the, this, the church is a little bubble where we can't let other stuff in lest it be corrupted, which is super not the way the, the church is conceived of in, in the new Testament. And I think we're going to pick up on these things as we go along here, but those are a great place to start and some really good ways to, to think about this overall concept. And from there, I'd like to let's move into the idea of eat the meat, spit out the bones, um, because we've, we've used that term on the show before. Um, and when we've used it, we've meant it more in a we've definitely warned against it, but in a way of. Uh, there's a thing going on at this church or organization or whatever, or I heard a thing from the pulpit where 
yeah, you know, that really wasn't good. Maybe, you know, that was a little uh, judgmental or sexist or wow, that was uh, maybe that was not the best way to think about that. But a lot of people will cover over that stuff by saying, yeah, but most of it's again, use your pick your term here, biblically based or gospel centered or whatever. So eh, I'll just kind of ignore the the stuff I don't like and not let that sink in. And that, as we, we talked about on the show a lot, that that really doesn't work as a long-term strategy. Now, certainly there's, you know, uh, as, you know, three people who have all spoken a lot uh, contemporaneously in front of audiences, there's, everybody has the odd clunky wording or thing they didn't ex, uh, express quite right. Or sometimes, and this is fine too, there may be a point, a minor one, obviously we don't want this on like big, big foundational points. There may be something where, you know, a pastor or a teacher or whatever that you, that loves you and you is a, is a, builds a good community is a great place in your life where you just hear the person say that and like, I don't think I, I don't think I agree with that actually. Um, there's a difference between disagreeing and it being harmful. I mean, I think, you know, this verse could mean this. It's yeah. Pretty reason to be like, yeah, I've actually, or, you know, I don't, I don't actually think that's, doesn't make sense to me, but that's, again, that's, these are all different than is this church doing something that is positive, but we just need to ignore that for the, for the sake of, of going along to get along. And Leah, I'd love you to, you to kick us off here, both in the, in the general and in the concept of our question being asked here, what do, we, how does eat the meat spit out of the bones apply to this? And in the idea that everyone is kind of picking and choosing their stuff, I guess, how do we, go about picking and choosing our interaction with what other people are picking and choosing, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's a, that's a really interesting way to put it. I mean, you know, I I know for me, I've been in churches my entire life and, and and I know Jed's been in more churches than a human being should be in, (laughs) but um, probably Jed may be a little different on this than me, but I've never seen anybody wear like I've never seen any like the women in the church wear the doilies and I've never yep. seen in I've never seen anybody like greet them greet each other with the the holy kiss thing and there's plenty plenty of dudes who uh uh who just refuse to clap in yep. the middle of the worship service I I say, I say that to I bring all those little minor points up to say those are bible verses in black and white you can't get around them they're right there in the bible uh, when you meet together, the you know the head coverings, the greeting with the holy kiss, and the clapping of the hands in worship, you, you can't get around that. The only thing you can do is skip it, and people do. They skip them. Everybody has stuff in the Bible that they skip. Every Christian community, every single church. And to Matt's point, you you look at it and say, based on discernment, what can I put up with and what can I put up with? What is healthy and what's not healthy? I think a really, really good question is, what is church for? Yeah. What is church supposed to do? Um, what's the point of church? Why are we doing this? Why are we getting together? Um, you know, th- there's a lot that could be said about this. I think that, um, you know, bare bones, I think a church exists to keep people encouraged, yep. to give people hope and community, to talk about and sing about Jesus and what he's done for us to remind people why we have why we hope in him and what what we have when we have a life in him and to carry each other's burdens to be there for each other it is a community and a family 
Now, if you have, if you find yourself in a church that's meeting all of those needs, where we, you're being reminded of the, the things of our faith that give you hope and fill you up with life and tell you about who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And people meet each other's needs there and they provide community and all of that stuff. And like to Matt's point, every now and then you hear a little funky word or a, or a clunky presentation. We all know we can put up with that. Um, we know how to, we know, we know how to, to have the discernment to bear with those things. That's not exactly what we mean when we say we're not proponents of, of eating the meat and spitting out the bones. What we're saying is when you find yourself in an environment where it's pretty obvious that, that there are some things that this, you know, there's some leadership models that are unhealthy, or there are some things that this place espouses that are not about mercy, that are not about fellowship, that are not about kindness, that are exclusive, or that are shutting people out, whatever the thing is, then that's the kind of thing that we don't want to ignore, that we don't want to just swallow down. We, we, want, to, we, we, we want to have the kind of discernment where we can say, this place is not in a healthy way meeting the needs of what a church is supposed to do and to be. And so that's where discernment comes in. Um, what is a church for? And is this place meeting the needs that is answering that question in a healthy, not toxic way, in a way that builds people up and encourages and serves people? I think it's a great point and a great breakdown of, of that idea. And Jed, let me give you a to come in here, if I may stretch an analogy entirely uh, to the breaking point, please. If you're eating a, a piece of meat and it has a bone in it, the problem isn't that it tastes bad. The problem is that you might choke on it. Yes. Uh, so we're not again. We're not really talking. When we talk uh, eat the meat without bones, we're not really talking a a function of taste. We're talking about things that are going to be harmful. Yeah. And again, uh, I don't. I'm trying to know all the answers on this. I can say that someone would have to go a very long way and really uh, do a lot to convince me that um, accepting people who are uh, especially people who are marginalized by society is going to be harmful to the church. <laughs> so that would, that, you'd have to make quite a case on that, but uh, can you explore that idea that Lee's given us a little more of where do we identify something that that's taste issue, something that's, that's a bone and maybe something that's so much, uh, so bad that it's just, you know, hey, it's four-day-old beef, but, you know, maybe this part is good. Because I think the flattening of there's good stuff and bad stuff may be what's being unhelpful here. No, I think that's true, man. I think that's true. So, you know, bone to, to continue with, with stretching metaphors and mixing metaphors, you know, bones are one thing and poison is something else entirely. And, um, you know, eating around a bone, you know, that, that kind of makes sense. We've all enjoyed a ribeye, I hope. Um, but, uh, you know, eating something that has poison in it is a terrible idea. You shouldn't do that. And so, you know, kind of the big concern is stuff that's going to mess up your life if you act on it. Right. And so let me give you a couple examples that circulate in a lot of American churches that are exactly that. Here's the first one. You know, guys, God will never give you more than you can handle. That is not true. Uh, Super not true. Not in the Bible and not right. true at all. And the problem is, if you believe that God will never give you more than you can handle, then when you inevitably in your life get to the point where you have more than you can handle going on, you won't ask for help because you couldn't possibly need it because God right. will never give you more than you can handle. That is poison. Here's an, another one that goes right along with it. The idea that if you just have enough faith, 
God will totally heal grandma and she won't die. I bet you can imagine what's wrong with that, but let's walk through it together. Eventually, as we all must, grandma is going to pass away. When that moment comes, if you believe that faith healing stuff, then she died because you didn't have enough faith. And if that's not enough to give a person a, a religiously oriented complex, I don't know what is. That will mess with you. That is deeply, deeply poisonous. And again, not in the Bible. And then here's the last one is the idea of, you know what? If you have enough faith, you'll be rich. If you're poor, if you're economically disadvantaged, if you're going through hard times with your pocketbook, that's because of sin in your life and doubt in your heart. Mm. And um, that gets preached at an awful lot of churches. And it's super not in the Bible. And it's super not true. And it super has nothing to do with Jesus. And if you believe it, it will cause you massive problems in your life. It will poison you. And I think part of the thing that we're saying is with the idea of eat the meat, spit out the bones and not doing that is, dude, if you spend enough time in certain situations, um, you're going to onboard stuff whether you want to or not. Mm. Like, you know, if, if you had a really good buddy and he's a cool guy and it was good to hang out. And, you know, but every time you saw him like, hey, by the way, I just want to put out or you don't have to believe me. Have to be like the Martians are coming and they're coming for us all. So I just want you to, to think about that because that's a big part of my life. It's the fact that the Martians are coming for us all. Well, anyway, I'll see you next week. Eventually, <laughs> like if you hung out with Tim enough, eventually some party be like, maybe the Martians are coming for us. <laughs> I mean, I, Tim's a cool dude. And I mean, he probably wouldn't just make that up. So. If you, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't want to reference the Nazis because, you know, a lot of reasons, but like the idea that a lie repeated off enough becomes the truth, like the, that's, that's a maxim for a reason, man. So being in a place where people are telling you stuff that's actively going to hurt you if you believe it, it's pretty hard to, to eat around that particular bone. That's, that's pretty hard to do. Here's one more thing that I, I want to encourage you to think about. It's something that's important in, in my life and I, I just want to encourage you to think about it. I want you to have it in your, in your brain as you're looking at both what your family is saying here, but, but also just in general is, are you asking me to assent to what is at its core mysticism? Mm -hmm. Is that what you are asking me to do? I'm not saying that that would be bad, but I am saying that we need to be crystal clear on it. And here's, here's why this is important is if you ask me to believe for example, as the Apostles' Creed, which we looked at just a few minutes ago, that Jesus was born of a virgin, which I do believe, we need to be clear that this is an article of faith, that this is, this is not based on some sort of you know, undeniable historical evidence. It's, not, it's based on faith. It is based on um, what is fundamentally a mystical thing. That is, that is what you're asking me to believe. If you're asking me to believe that something is wrong or right, are you asking me to believe that because there's a reasoned thought through argument that you're expressing to me? Or are you asking me to believe it based on what is fundamentally a mystical idea? Again, I'm not opposed to either one, but I think we need to be crystal clear with each other what the situation is. Because a lot of what goes on in churches today is basically gaslighting, where they will pretend that it's based on a reasoned argument. They'll say, well, here's all these good reasons why this is the way it is. And then none of those reasons hold up and they're still on the exact same thing. Okay. So that's mysticism. That, that is why you believe that. 
I'm not necessarily saying that that's bad, but I'm saying if we're having a dishonest interchange, then we are off on the wrong foot to begin with. And I think it's important for you to insist both for yourself and for other people, the clarity of, are you making me an argument that's based on facts and logic and history and biology, or are you asking me to take something on faith? I need you to be crystal clear with me which thing we're dealing with. I think that's a, an amazing place to start that off and, and very, very important. I think it also goes to that point we're making about kind of flattening things out to kind of put them in broad categories and say that they're they're bad. Jed is entirely right. Um, there are uh, supernatural, ununderstandable, mystic things that in order to uh, subscribe to the faith of Christianity, you're going to have to you're going to have to take a leap on. You know, there's this invisible being that created everything and wants a personal relationship with you. The fact that a guy who was essentially a uh, itinerant homeless construction worker in the first century AD was uh, killed by the Roman state is critical to the, the uh, eternal destiny of your soul, uh, virgin birth, uh, healing all these things. The, the, those are kind of, you can't really fudge those uh, to yep. get into the Christian thing. That doesn't mean you have to believe the Martians are coming. That doesn't believe nope. you have to believe in faith healing or, uh, any other set of nonsense. And you may look at that and inherently say, well, isn't it kind of uh, hypocritical or weird to draw those lines at the one thing and not the other? And to that, I say, yeah, yeah <laughs> uh, we should get comfortable with uh, such things because that will really help you um, navigate it. I think there's another line to be drawn between things that make sense to you or that you're willing to admit you can believe, even though they don't totally make sense. And the idea that everything must be an ordered, rational, reasoned argument, because that will, will catch you in two ways. We, you know, there's obviously, you know, you may not buy into things that you don't understand because, you know, I've always, you know, the, the idea of being an empiricist sounds great, but I don't, I don't think everyone who claims that has done the calculations on Lyft themselves. Nope. But I do think they've gotten in airplanes. So we're all accepting some things on faith and not others. And that's cool. But the other way it can, can come to bite you as these guys are talking about is assuming that because you believe something or it hits your ears, right. Or you just can just go with it, that that must make it reasonable and rational. And that is a a weird double, uh, double reasoning on that, that, that won't serve you particularly well when it comes to navigating things and that, space of kind of eat the meat, spit out the bones. I'll put up with this. I won't put up with that. You getting comfortable with the fact that to other people, and sometimes even to yourself, these things may seem arbitrary and may seem a fuzzy and not have a great, uh, description, uh, reason or decision behind them. And that's fine. Cause these are your choices to make. Um, yeah. And that, that will really help you navigate that along. But when it comes to that, uh, communication of it and that, uh, understanding of it, I think that brings us to the last thing we want to look here at here, which is well-meaning nosy family. <laughs> so again, if we can, if we can recap the, the full question here, uh, my wife and I attend a church that we like that is not uh, condemning of LGBTQ people. My family sat us down and said that along with a couple other things, make them think that that church isn't biblically based and they have a concern. Now, there's obviously the easy thing to deal with in these situations is the the person who's being judgmental or doing a bad faith reading or just trying to look for some a problem to have and you can just you know you can be if they're being confrontational it makes it easy to be confrontational 
So and we've talked about that a lot and drawing boundaries, and that's a great thing to do. Now let's maybe spend the rest of our time here looking at the similar, but I think oftentimes more difficult to navigate thing of someone who earnestly and genuinely is bringing up something, even though you know it's not a problem, they think it is, and they're bringing it up out of some kind of positive concern. Um, and sometimes that can be a lot more, a lot more difficult to, to navigate, but Lee, I'd love to get you to start us off on this and particularly in that, that boundary way. And maybe particularly in the, uh, the realm of parent of adult who still wants to have opinions on things you do, because that is its own kettle of fish. It really is. And it's it, when, and when you face it as a grown person who do, does have to deal with some, you know, nonsense from your parents, it is a really odd space to be in. Um, you know, I personally am in a situation right now where um, I have I have teenage children, but I but I also have parents who occasionally will have begin conversations with me that are exactly like the the high drama conversations that my teenagers enter into with their friends. And when that happens, you can see it clearly of like, wow, we're really on this. And the interesting thing there is. It's been able to, you know, for me, I've been able to gain the the perspective of like, you're really, really looking for a response here. I'm not going to give one. I'm just not going to play. And that is a very, you know, as far as a strategy of like, you know, I really don't have to enter into this. I don't have to feed this conversation. I don't have to respond to it. I, you have your opinion of my of my church, for instance, and it's like, oh, that's nice. And I don't have to do anything with that. And it's a it's a it's a disquieting thing for somebody who's trying to kick something off for you to not be ruffled by it. But it's a thing that actually works. <laughs> if uh if somebody's trying to kick something off and you are not ruffled, not bothered, and not interested in having the conversation, it's actually a pretty good strategy just to get things to kind of disappear and quieten down. Um, I'm not going to engage this. I'm not going to hit the ball back at the same level of tension. In other words, some drama has begun, but I'm not going to supply it with any oxygen, and therefore, it's not going to go any further. Yeah, I think that's, that's a great, great place to start that off, because when we, um, no matter what your response to someone bringing this up is, no matter what, um, how you interpret it, the the counterpoint you're going to make, uh, to to Lee's point, that kind of emotional getting riled up isn't going to help it right. one way or the other. That's, that's always almost always going to be um, an issue that will make things worse and not better. And being able to keep that calmness, um, have that firmness that always helps in all boundary setting conversations, uh, whether or not someone is intentionally trying to instigate you or just bringing something up because they think they have some role or concern in bringing it up that can get, get into instigation really quick. If you get kind of notably defensive, so that's really great strategy to start, start out with. And Jed, I'd love to get you to, to pick us up there because I think another thing in these kind of conversations one has to get comfortable with is the idea that we may leave this conversation still on opposite sides of this issue. Sure. It's really great if both sides are okay with that, but as the person, you know, who's 
uh, being asked to change a behavior or to, to give something up. I think that's one of those things that we need to be comfortable with going in of, as we often talk about it in, in a boundaries conversation, I'm not trying to change what you're doing, but I am telling you what I will be doing. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. I mean, I think it's to build on, on that and on the awesome stuff Lee was saying, like, I think you need to kind of think through in advance, like, what is your goal for this conversation? And, and as you can never tell what's in another person's heart, but as best you can tell, like, what is it that they're going for here? You know I mean? Like, so if it's your folks, you know I mean? Is that them wanting to weigh in and offer advice just because that's what feels familiar to them? You know, is that, um, they're concerned that your soul might be led into perdition, you know, is, is that, you know, I was, I was reading this book recently and I had a, a lot of thoughts. I want to talk about it. You know, I mean, but like, what is this for them? I think, you know, to the extent that, and again, you can never say that for sure, but I think it, it would be good to have a sense of what that is. And then, you know, as Lee was, as Matt was just saying, you know, having a sense of what you're cool with and, and, and what your, your deal is, you know? So like for me, um, you know, like if I was in the situation, the, the thing that I would need to explain is that and I'm, I don't work for a church. I'm not a pastor. I don't do any of that. But like I, as a person, am definitely 100% affirming of gay folks. And uh, a lot of what drives that is the fact that I have gay people in my family. I have trans people that are friends and musical collaborators. I have uh, bi friends that are some of my most dear people to me in the world. And so um, we can argue about the Bible all you want, but that's not what it's about for me, dude. Um, and, um, you may even have some amazing arguments. I don't think you do, but you may, but, um, for me, I'm, I'm not willing to adopt something that, that rejects my friends and I'm not willing to adopt something that, that rejects my family. And so wherever you're coming from, I, I appreciate that hopefully your heart is in the right place and hopefully you're, you're coming from, you know, a place of, of love, but dude, I'm not going to be joining you on that journey. Um, and, uh, you know, if that means that we are in a place where we need to agree to disagree, that's cool. I can, I can deal with that. If you're open to reconsidering your position, I think that would be great. And I think it would be worth asking. You have a lot of opinions about gay people. Do you know any, do you know yes. any gay people at all? Do you have any gay or trans friends at all? Because if Someone not, you love, yeah. If, if, if you don't, you, you should have no opinions about this. Um, but I think again, having a sense of, you know, kind of what their motivation is like, where are they coming from with this? Like, why are they trying to have this conversation with you? But then kind of where you can negotiate and, and where you can't, you know I mean? So, you know, again, if it's for me, if it was, you know, my parents, you know, I'm, I'm willing to negotiate in that I'm not going to invite you to the pride parade and, and insist that you, that you come with me, but, um, so I can make that concession, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to reject my friends, man. That's just, that's not going to happen. And so, um, you may land somewhere else. That's totally cool. That's your decision to make. But I think you thinking through what, what you're cool with and what you're not is going to help a lot in planning out what will make sense for that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, and, and, Depending on, I think, exactly what Jed is saying there, what you think your family or whoever's bringing something like this up to you wants out of that situation and is coming into it with will will color a lot of this. But it does at some point need to going to break down to 
are you going to acquiesce to what they want or not? Yep. And, you know, yep. we, we're not, again, we're not really interested in telling you what to do. Um, I can tell you from what you've uh, lined out in your email here of, you know, we, we like this church and we found a great community there and it does things in the community and uh, you know, we like it and we uh, don't care. I don't have any problem with them being LGBTQ. I don't know if they're affirming or welcoming. I don't want to apply uh, titles to it that may mean things, but you know, not being mean enough to gay people, which is often what people uh, mean when they're criticizing that. Uh, it, it, I would certainly look at that and say, well, I'm not, I'm not giving this up for that because that would be giving up yes. a positive thing to do a negative thing. And there's nothing wrong with, with, with starting there. Um, yeah. You don't have to have a negotiation with this person, even though they're your parent, you don't have to meet them halfway. Um, it's up to you and your history with them and you knowing them obviously uh, very well and us not knowing them at all to say, here are what I think the motivations are. Here are what I think a pr- proportionate response to that would be. Maybe they are a person where you could say, you know what? Why don't you come to church with us? I think you're actually going to like it. I think you won't be scared. And you could have a really positive experience. It could be as much as like, yeah, that's that's great. And I appreciate you know your concern, but we like our church. We're going to keep going there. Just, yep. There's the... Uh, the uh, the idea of being a gray rock, which is uh, to go back to what some Lee was saying, not rising to it. Just that's right. Just just going ahead and having that point. I, I one one kind of parting shot here, Matt. As 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 we're maybe kind of winding this up, is it's something that that uh, my boss Tom said a long time ago that I think is a really amazing thing, and, and just just a, kind of an amazing insight. And it's something that I wish more people in church leadership thought, which is. If your church was an individual person, would you want to hang out with them? Oh. Like, if your church was an individual human being, would they follow, like, would they be a follower of Jesus? Like, would, are they the kind of person that Jesus would be defending or arguing with? I mean, you can't read the Gospels without noticing that there are people that Jesus defends to the hilt. And there are people that he absolutely goes off on. I mean, there, there's just no way around seeing that. And, and I think a really interesting question for a lot of folks is, okay, as much as you can just, if you could just blur your vision, like one of those old, this is a 90s reference, oh my gosh, the uh, Magic Get Eye. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know the, oh, the, yeah. The, the Magic Eye computer graphics uh, books where you could see an image within an image. But like kind of blur the image of your just kind of distill your whole church, just the whole experience of what it would be like to be, to go to your church, to be a member of your church, to be a part of that community, to worship there, to to hang out there, distill that down into one personality. If that's even a thing that you can feasibly think about, do you have any interest in hanging out with that person? And does that person seem like a person who wants to hang around Jesus and a person that Jesus would be just thrilled to welcome or a person that Jesus would have some issues with. And I think it's a really interesting question. It goes back to the thing that we were saying earlier about discernment, but I think a lot of church leadership teams um, would do well to think that way. And I think a lot of folks who are trying to figure out what they should accept or reject in a, in the experience of a church, that would be a helpful question to ask. If I boiled this church down to a single person, would I go have lunch with them? <laughs> would I would I go on a walk with them? Um, could we hang out and watch a movie? 
Um, it's just an interesting kind of parting shot thought from me about um, just kind of discernment about church in general. Yeah, I think it actually is a, such an interesting and clarifying way to look at that, because again, if we can apply it back to our understanding of the situation, again, from one email, we don't know the details of it, but if you if you had a friend who uh, you'd known for a couple of years and had been uh, really, really good to you and you really enjoyed hanging out with and been good for you, and someone's criticism of them was, you know, I saw them being uh, treating a gay person with dignity and respect. <laughs> And I don't know if that's the kind of person you want to be hanging around. Uh, you would say, well, that's an insane criticism. And I, 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 no matter what sense you mean it in, I'm not, I'm not going with that. And that's a very, very good way to think about these things. And I will, as my parting shot, I will say, I think there's a fundamental idea kind of underlying some of this stuff that kind of goes exactly to what Lee was saying. Um, if you read the the gospels and they're short, you could read them all. And you look at uh, how Jesus treats people. Um, there's never a criticism. He never uh, treats people with a harshness that maybe uh, the, the other people in the stories of the reader might think they deserve. Uh, if they're, you know, a woman, someone caught in sexual sin, a poor person, these kind of people, uh, the religious leaders who are trying to do some stuff, get a whole lot of, uh, yes, a whole lot of stick on that. But the other thing, and maybe hey, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. You can email in, uh, hit me up on social media. I don't ever recall anywhere in the gospel Jesus admonishing anyone for not being harsh enough on other people. Yeah. There's right. a lot of points where he uh, hits up on people for being way too harsh, way too legalistic, loading people down with burdens, that kind of thing. To the measure you use, it will yeah. be used against you. Uh-huh. So, but I think that that does really play into the way that a lot of churches and a lot of Christian people are trying to navigate either in good faith or bad faith the uh, the L- things like LGBTQ people. Um, like we can uh, talk about whether boiling a group of human beings down to a, uh, a issue to have a policy on is good or not. And then we have some probably some thoughts about that. But when you're looking at that, this idea of how mean can we be to them and still be Christian nominally? is like a really, to use a theological term, boned way to think about <laughs> yeah. doing that. Like, you know, I've, I've often made the observation that, you know, the, the fundamental basis of Christianity of you have been forgiven of everything you will do, you've been accepted, and it is incumbent to, uh, to go back to a point Lee was making about things that come up over and over again in the Bible, to pay that forward, to treat people with that measure, to yes. forgive as you have been forgiven, all that stuff. And for from day one of that happening, just church people looking for the loophole of who they can still judge and treat I just want to hate somebody so badly. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I just need to create an out group that none of this stuff applies to. Don't like you try to peddle your illicit grace here, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All this Jesus-y stuff that about the way I have to treat people, I have to come up with groups of people that that doesn't apply to so I can get out my venom on them. That is not a great way to think about things. Nope. Um, and to go all the way back to where we started this of no one's going to get every theological bit of minutia clear. Uh, there's no one's going to get that right. Uh, no human being has ever gotten a, a perfect theology. I am sorry, friends who went to reform seminaries. That's true of you as well. Um, so a lot of that to me comes down to which side do you want to err on? Do you think you should come down on the side of, do you think on that great uh, getting up morning, as they say, 
You're going to appear before the, the Almighty who came to earth, you know, as, as they say, you know, very God of very God for us and our salvation. And he's going to look at you and say, boy, there were a lot of people you were too nice to. <laughs> you know, you let some people into church who were fr- quite frankly a little too naughty to be in church. And I have a problem with that. Or do you think to err the other way might uh, be the problem? And again, if you look at any interaction Jesus has with someone in the Bible, uh, you showed too much mercy is never really a criticism that comes up. Um, so when we're looking at things like that, it, uh, it, it, it is a good um, guiding principle. And I think one of the things we've looked at in the episode is guiding principles are kind of all we're going to have. Yep. Very few things you're going to have a do this, don't do that, you know, a total AB test, but guiding principles to, to navigate some things. And again, I'll also say, you may come to some disagreements with people. That's fine. Um, you can, you, they can have their disagreement with you, but you, you're an adult. You are someone who has an individual relationship with Jesus. You have the right to find a community that is doing the right things for you and serving you in the ways we've talked about on this show. All right. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, the bridge, Chicago, dot tumble.com slash ask and tell the song this week previously referenced this is from our friend the pool house guru his take on micah 6 8 take out that yeah thanks for listening just remember we love you god loves you there's nothing you can do about it the say that podcast no you're lebowski man i'm the dude (laughs) (laughs) get it in there